This is Stage Right, and I am your host, John Thorne. They say if you die with a handful of friends, you die a rich man. Well, I have several buses full, and I'm very excited to share them all with you. Thank you for joining me today. I am your host, John Thorne. This is Stage Right, and we are going to be listening to part two of my conversation with my good friend, Mr. Pete Orta. We're going to talk about Pete's ministries and the different things he's done in the last 10 years. But before I get to Pete, I want to let you know the next few guests we're going to have. Starting next week, we will have Scott Allen on October 15th from Mylon Lefevre and Broken Heart. Scott wrote and recorded songs for Mylon's live album, Sheep and Wolf's Clothing, Face the Music, Crack the Sky, as well as many, many others. He was Mylon's right-hand man for many years. We will talk a lot about Mylon Lefevre and Broken Heart during the early years, mid 80s late 80s into the 90s it's going to be great catching up with scott and also we're going to talk about his current role as one of the pastors on staff at gateway church in dallas texas so you don't want to miss scott allen october 22nd my guest will be billy smiley from whiteheart billy and i'll talk about everything from how he ended up in nashville started whiteheart uh we'll talk about writing songs we'll talk about producing and uh, running a record label all things billy smiley and that'll be October 22nd. On October 29th, my good friend Jay Wilkinson will be here. Now, you probably don't know the name Jay Wilkinson yet, but after this episode, you will. And you will wish that you could sit down and have lunch with Jay and talk to him. It's one of the most fascinating people I know. Never a dull moment. We'll discuss his work as a touring tech and musician, as well as his rich knowledge of American history. And we'll finish up talking about Jay's deep love for soccer and photography. I can promise you, you do not want to miss October 29th with Jay Wilkinson. He is fantastic. So before we get to part two of our conversation with Pete Orta, a word from our sponsor, Hey Rockstar. Hey Rockstar provides digital marketing software and services to generate more leads, more exposure, and more revenue for your business or organization. Let Hey Rockstar amplify your awesomeness. Amplify your awesomeness with Hey Rockstar. If you're looking for tools to help build your ministry or business, heyrockstar.com. They have everything you will need. Thanks again for listening today. Kick back, take a deep breath, relax, enjoy the ride as we listen to part two of my conversation with Pete Orta. Now I want to transition to something that I know was near and dear to your heart for 10 years. Tell everybody what In Triumph was and what you did with that. First off, to set that up, um, and this might be a shock to some people, but I was not a Christian while I was in Christian music. I was not. I was a deist. And it sounds pretty close. If you're if you were a Christian around me at that time and your theology was really bad, you couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> <clears throat> which was, yeah, quite common. And man, when 9-11 hit and like even like COVID right now, a lot of people in entertainment, especially Christian, because we're not making the dollars that mainstream is, you know, a lot of us are were hurting at the time. And a lot like a lot of artists are hurting right now. There's just not an opportunity to do our living, you know? Right. And entertainment is kind of put on the back burner and, <laughs> understandably 
you know, we understand all that. And, and we were hurting with the country as well. And Warner Brothers brought out Sony because I was actually, my record was on Sony. Anyway, all the heads were chopped off. And Now, let me ask you this. Was, was Word a subsidiary of Sony? Yeah. yeah okay. They were. Okay. And then Warner Brothers bought, out, bought Word. Gotcha. And and then so you know when a company comes in they they fired everybody right and of course everybody that they fired their names are on my record so and then nine eleven hit and all of that so I, you know you you just couldn't recoup <clears throat> the country was in a bad state for a while man I I had some dark times after that but it brought me to faith brought me to a true faith and I was so when Jesus touched me it was the most remarkable experience of my life to this date. And it was such a precious time because it was a time when I was hurting and I was lost. I was discouraged. I was confused. You know, and I'm like a, a result-driven guy. And there was a point in my life I had to really tell myself and swallow this pill that I already created my best result in life. And it was a time where success was masking a lot of my character. You know, and success was masking my sinful nature, my depravity. Hmm. And I always tell people, man, talent will cover a multitude of sins. Right. And so he, the Lord like used all of that as a means to, to, to bring me to faith and take away everything that I could control that kept me happy, kept me secure, kept me confident in who I was. <clears throat> and it was, he broke me so beautifully that I just fell in love with Christ and I, I committed to him. Not that I owe him anything, but I, I was in my studio and I looked around at all the gear I had, all the mics and all the pre's and all the stuff back then and everything that I had done. And I said, Lord, I want to learn the Bible better than I know all of this gear, better than I know music. I'm talking from live to writing to producing because I went into producing as well. I produced some stuff for Jackie's record uh, record label and stuff like that at some time. That was kind of a mm-hmm. something that I was doing after I got off the road. And man, I came to faith. And so I, I remember going out and my friends laughing at me because I went to the bookstore and I bought a uh, this Bible for Dummies, hmm. those yellow and black right. books. And I had a friend who was like, "Are you serious? You bought that book?" And I said, "Yeah, but I won't be a dummy after I read it." Right. And I got into, I got into, uh, man, I started reading about the different berries that they might've used to, you know, write the, on the scrolls, the type of papyrus paper. And, and it was a real interesting read. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just reading as much as I could. And, 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 you know, some things were confusing. Some kinds kind of threw me off. Like I was, I started reading. It's like, what, there's two Bibles. What? You know, it just <laughs> kind of shook me as a, as an ex former deist. It's, it right. shook me. Like, what do you mean? I was like, one's called the Masoretic Text, the other Septuagint Text, you know, and then doing some research on that. One of them's Greek, one of them's Hebrew, and the Hebrew one was more authoritative for many, many years until the Dead Sea Scrolls, 19, what's 46, 46, something like yeah. that. And and then it's and then it it, it started. It, what it did is it proved that the 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 Septuagint Text had more authority. It was it was more accurate. It lined up more with the Dead Sea Scroll. Started studying all that kind of stuff, and then. And then I started tracing back like I did musically, you know, musically, you know, I was, 
as a kid, you're like, wow, there's Van Halen, 1984, Eddie Van Halen. I want to learn all the stuff, and this is just amazing. And then you get to Guitar Player Magazine, you start reading interviews, and you start going like, well, who influenced him? Who right. inspired him? Oh, a guy named Alan Holdsworth. Oh, let me read about Alan Holdsworth. So try to find magazines and go to the library or whatever, or there'd be an Alan Holdsworth article within that one, and you start reading like that. So I, I taught myself to go back to the roots and, you know, Robert Johnson in, you know, I think 1928 or whatever that was in San Antonio, Texas, when he recorded his record there. And you're going through Les Paul and, and Leo Fender and the log and then how you know, Jim Marshall got started. And it was a big flute because his amps were horrible because they started distorting. And then Jimi Hendrix came by. and was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, what in the world is this? And you're just going through all of that history right. and how strings were made and pickups were made. And Floyd Rose, who he was and how he met Eddie Van Halen, the Kramer guitar. And you're going through... Just this, just I became a a a music historian, and um, to that you know in the, in that genre there, yeah. Uh, and so I that I took that with the Bible, so I'm like, huh? So okay, there's some preachers today, like blah 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 and blah blah blah. Well, who did they listen to and who did they listen to? And then I came across this guy named Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> 1500s and the Prince of Preachers. And I started going all the way back to him. And then I started reading that he was educated, not by a seminary, but, you know, by the Puritans. And I was like, oh man, who's this Baxter guy? And who's this Owens guy? And who's this, you know, all these different Puritans. And then, uh, you know, who's this Knox guy? And then, you know, who's, who are they battling against in August, you know, Augustine and, you know, and then Pelagian and he was writing against all of this other stuff. And who is this Jacob Arminius and who is this John Calvin and what's the <laughs> Senate of Dort and all this church history. And then, dude, I just started like digging in. I, I, I just realized I was rattling off a bunch of no, stuff, dude, you're but from, I started great. digging in because I wanted every piece of Jesus, every little piece, because people are like, well, that stuff's not important. No, every little piece is, is like a puzzle, and when you finish it, all these millions of pieces, it, it's a picture of Christ. And so I learned church history, and I learned uh, I learned um, all of this type of, uh, of of stuff at the beginning, and and reading the Bible too, because I know there's some Yahoo out there. Well, I just stay with Scripture. I did, <laughs> I did. Trust me. Um, you know, you don't read Charles Spurgeon and not get Scripture. Right. So, so man, I just fell in love with the Word because the pastor at that time told me. You need to get off the road. You need to get out of music. You need to not have a microphone in your hand. You've got nothing to say. You don't even know what you're talking about. And you need to learn your Bible and you need to go disciple your wife. <laughs> dude, it hit me. And I was, dude, at the time I was a mess. I was promiscuous. I had an awful attitude. I was angry. I was all this type of stuff that I had to ask, you know, forgiveness for and repentance. And my family forgave me and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just felt renewed. I felt his mercy every morning. It was a beautiful season. I'll never forget. And I did that for about five years and I stayed obedient. I went into some type of marketing stuff. I was obedient. I had no. And when you make your money on stage as a performer to get off stage, you take quite a blow. Right. So, but to me, it didn't matter what I would suffer financially. I had to get right with Jesus and I had to get my family right. I get myself right. I only had, you know, so I only had a couple of kids at the time. And so I really, really worked hard towards that. And then, um, dude, one day I felt like oh I felt a call to missions. Right. And so I didn't know what to do and nobody would really 
not me, not me, not the guy that's this this rock type of raw, speak his mind, no filter, no inhibitions, this type of guy that didn't grow up in church. Right. You know, I mean, I, I remember walking into, by accident, walking into uh, a, a certain particular group of females um, that were very popular at the time that people love. They don't, I don't, that's why I'm not going to say their name. And I, I didn't know I walked into a girl's dressing room. I'm like, Oh, and I, you know, let out a, a cuss word and I was just damned from there on out. Like just demonized. Nobody even realizing, Hey man, this, this guy's a deist, mm. you know, this guy doesn't even, you know, there's not enough Christianity even around him at the time to, to kind of provoke some thought in him. Right. Um, and I believed in a God and I didn't argue with anything in the Bible and I pulled lyrics from the Bible and stuff like that. But in my born again record, man, the record company made me put Jesus in certain areas just so he could sell as a Christian record. <clears throat> I got it. I understood. And I had really no hard heart towards it. But, um, man, at that time, um, I, I, I the, no church was going to hire me. Right. You know, nobody, nobody was going to give me any opportunity and I felt called to ministry, but there's no way they, I mean, they still won't hire me. You still have to have some, PhD, double doctorate of, of whatever, you know, uh, qualified. Right. And I'm not against that. I, everybody should be schooled. I don't, I have a, I've, I have a lot of schooling. It's just unorthodox, you know, it's just un, not, not formal, right. but I believe that you should be very equipped. I think most preachers are laymen out there. Anyway, that's another subject. But so I thought, well, you know, I'll just do the job nobody wants to do. I'll just be the janitor of the kingdom. Hmm. And I just started pulling in homeless kids into my home. Because that's, that's the upbringing I came up with, just kind of on the streets, just kind of rough kids. And so I started bringing in prostitutes. I started bringing in drug addicts. I started bringing in dealers. I started bringing in kids that aged out of foster care that never got adopted. I started bringing in church kids, man, that had, came from broken families. I started bringing in all these types of uh, um, people, homeless kids from 18 to 24. And... And it was crazy. I mean, they were in my own home. We had a homeowners association that I was like, okay, guys, we can't all go outside at once. Like we're breaking a lot of rules here. <laughs> and I, I shut down my marketing business and I went cold turkey. I didn't know how we we're going to pay our bills in 30 days. Just went cold turkey. And people started finding out, dude, what are you doing? I started coming by the house, bringing food. They would give me a $500 check, $200 check, $1,000 check. And we went for 10 years, dude. And I, I, I've only asked for money twice. One was for a move that we were going to do. And another one was for some glasses for a young man. It's remarkable. Other than that, man, we just relied on the Lord and the Lord, the Holy spirit would, was our biggest campaign manager and would just bring people by. That's how we got started. And it looked crazy. Why? Cause it wasn't official. We didn't have an official building. We weren't a 501 C three. We didn't have all the things that man wants to see. And so man, I took a lot of heat, man. Was I David Koresh? Was <laughs> right. I, what am I doing with all these young people? Was I like, man, I'm just trying to serve the Lord, but because it didn't look like a man-made thing, eventually man, people came in and helped. Hey, let me set you up with a nonprofit. Hey, here's a building. Here's a blah, blah, blah. And now it had all the decorations for man to validate us. That's another story, but we were validated already, man. We were doing the Lord's work and right. I was, nobody wanted my job. Right. Nobody was trying to take my gig from me. There was no competition for a pastorate. There's no competition with praise and worship leaders like there are now and all this type of politics going to church. If you're done with politics, just pick up a broom and start sweeping the kingdom and find the darkest areas to sweep the corners of, of the, uh, of the kingdom and, and go into the devil's trophy case 
and, and, and try to remove some things from there and let the Lord use you there. If you if People are like, I'm just trying to find my calling. What they're telling you is, I want a cush job. I want an honorable position and I want to get paid, you know, enough money. You know, that's what they're saying. Well, I'm just trying to find my right. calling. There's plenty. The, the fields are white with harvest. So I just went and I dug in there. I'm like, hey, this is open. This is wide open. And so I started bringing kids in and the ministry started developing. But as I was bringing them in, they were coming in with all different kinds of beliefs. Right. Uh, they were, they, they, they were coming in crazy charismatics that, that lost their way on drugs. They were coming in atheists. They were coming in deists. I had that one down. They were coming in as, as agnostics. They were, we've had Wiccans. We've had Muslims. We've had, I mean, you name every humanists, spiritualists, every walk of life that you could possibly imagine. So I'm freaking out going, where do I start? My book for dummies isn't working anymore. <laughs> Charles, Charles Spurgeon and stuff isn't, you know, is, is not covering a lot of these topics. So, uh, I got a hold of a guy named Matt slick and he gave me this mother of all notebook things. And it's an, I, it's called Christian apologetics. Yeah. And I started reading on all these religions and Hinduism and hedonism and where it started and you know, where this was that and Joseph Smith and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And dude, and I became really good at providing answers and softly debating and trapping them in their own contradictions so that it would be possibly used as a means of grace. Not that I can convince anybody to be saved. It's all the Lord's work, right, but right. I could be, I could be, um, uh, be used in that way. Dude, before you know it, man, I mean, kids, they're getting saved. They're being baptized at the same time, man, at the beginning, I didn't know how to profile. I've been punched in the face. I've been choked out. I've been spit on. I've been cussed at you name it in my own home. My kids have seen the sheriff come in and cuff people take them out of our own living room. I mean, schizophrenia, we've had narcissists and we've had psychopaths and we've had all kinds of stuff. I've had to send people to prison that didn't make the cut here that were acting up in a certain way that the judge, this was their last shot. It has been a crazy thing. We've seen beautiful things. We've seen bondage broken. We've seen, we've seen uh, everything. And, I, and in that time, I had to learn how to profile. So I called an F I called a, the, what is it? A homicide detective in Austin. That's where it started. I said, how do I tell him somebody's lying to me? And I started digging into that, the Myers Briggs personality stuff, the cognitive functions, the, the Carl Jung's uh, young study on, on all of that uh, as, as well as apologetics. And then I started getting into systematics of theology and started, you know, learning about eschatology. So dude, it just, I have just, gotten an education so that I could share it with these kids. And I gave them a seminary, a poor man's seminary. That's remarkable though. It's amazing what I've had front row <laughs> seats to watch, man, the Lord work. I just, I can't do, there's no words, right? It's no words, man, but the Lord is still at work. That's remarkable. And if you, if you don't see the Lord's hand working right now, you're in a dried up area of ministry. Yeah, you're getting paid. Yeah, people look up to you. But I'm telling you what, if there's no pain involved, if there's no suffering involved, you're not in the ministry right. of the Lord because that's the path he took. I'll stop preaching. <laughs> no, I think it's remarkable because I've talked to you along the way. I remember the day you told me that you quit your marketing job and you were just going all in with the ministry thing and you were starting... I don't remember at what point it was I sent you a video camera and we were going to 
try to doc- oh, document some right. stories and stuff. And my uh, life was too crazy then to even turn it on. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Oh no, I'm sure. It was nuts, dude. I had to be the first one up and the last one to sleep. Right. I mean, I, you're talking about protecting my children during all of this time. Exactly. My kids have seen some crazy stuff. They're homeschooled. People are like, don't you feel like they're kind of missing out on right. socializing if they're homeschooled? I'm like, you have no idea how street right. smart my kids are. My son learned how to play basketball from hoodlums. So how many kids do you think you helped in that ministry over the 10 years that you did it? 350 to 400. That's, that's just staggeringly remarkable. And I don't know, we helped them all, but all of them got the gospel. No, you helped them all, whether they received it and, and took what they were helped with and left with it or not. Like you poured into them whether they are aware of it or not. That's just, that's unbelievable. And that's one of the reasons I love you because I know why you did that. Because you, because of how how you were hurt and how you felt wounded and how you needed someone. And I didn't have it. And I didn't have it. You didn't have it, but you became that for them. Yes. You know, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. It's not a bumper sticker. It's real. Well, all all through his grace, man, people are, were, you know, we heard several times, man, I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it. You can. I couldn't do it either. Man, the Lord really does equip you with what you need, the patience you need, the wisdom you need, the endurance you need. You just have to step out and do it, and then he throws everything you need at you at the right time. Right, man. If 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 the devil is if the devil himself is not outside God's will and control, neither are my our mistakes. You know what? That's true. Romans eight twenty eight. That's true. Faith mistakes aren't really mistakes if you're if you're launching what stepping oh, out in faith. Man. And there's yeah, and there's a difference between a mistake and rebellion too. Right. You know, I mean, I'll make mistakes all day long as long as it's not with a rebellious heart, which I I have done before. Boy, but I've gotten my butt whooped too for it well but see to me that the, the best part about your story dude is now everything is so real for you this whole you know the direction you're going now do you want to talk about the transition from the end triumph uh to what you're doing now it's kind of a transition or maybe a evolution i, I think at my age right now i'm going to be working from the age of 49 to 50 this year coming up the lord has given me my music back you know, I set it down for him and I never thought I would pick it back up. You've talked to me before. I'm like, yeah, I've got no desire. Right. He put the desire in me during, during COVID. I, I just thought, well, man, the economy's getting, might get really bad and we might, you know, we can't take anybody into the ministry right now because of COVID and man, I might have to, I might have to just, you know, start playing again or something. So I picked up the acoustic and, um, I started playing some songs, kind of relearning my kind of singer songwriter type of deal. And then I went to go visit my cousin in Victoria, Texas. He started throwing Les Pauls at me and Paul Reed Smith's at me. And I just caught the bug for the electric again. <laughs> and before you know it, man, I'm writing songs and working on a working on an EP right now. And and the goal, the goal right now is a, a, not much of one, but all I know in my life right now is that everything is going to come together. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pastoring a church. Um, right now I've done the triumph mission work for, you know, for 10 or 11 years. I still have a heart to coach, um, young people like that as well. Uh, and, and, and being a pastor, I'm, I'm able to feed into adults, you know, and, and give, you know, just give some biblical counsel on, on marriage, biblical counsel on raising kids and everything like that. And, you know, just at the age where in the experience through, through pain and suffering and, and, and understanding scripture and the walk of Christ, 
I'm able to contribute to people a lot. Now I'm going to bring them music. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the next ten years of my life now to do it to do combine everything that I've done into one. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's going to be music. It's going to be helping people. It's going to be feeding them, clothing them, housing them to to some degree, pastoring a church or or or, or, or preaching out there and and just do an evangelism. I have no idea, but it's it's. All I want to do is help people. I want to. I, I want to know what it's like because I've never experienced this, John. I want to know what it's like to praise the Lord right. musically. <laughs> I've never worshipped Him musically. It was all oh. for myself and the and 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 just for the just for the joy of musicianship, but never right. worship Him. So I'm gonna worship Him. At, well, I don't even care if I book some church that's got 50 people in it, <laughs> I'm going to at least one time do this EP and go worship the Lord right on. In, with a group of people publicly to do corporate worship with them. And then I'm going to set the guitar down, the axe, and I'm going to pick up my sword and I'm going to preach my guts out, man. <laughs> I'm going to do it for the Lord. That's and if right. he will bless it at least one time, I'll be happy, man. And I'll go right off into the sunset and live in a cave somewhere and just be done. But that's what I feel right now. I have a feeling uh, you, he, he he's not pointing you towards any caves anytime soon. <laughs> do you remember what I said to you a couple months back when we were talking? Everything that you've been prepared to do is is ahead of you. It wasn't about what you did yesterday at all. Everything God has led you through and to is for what's ahead of you. I would love that. That's all I want to do. He can take me after that. So you mentioned, Pete, that you've been pastoring. Uh, how long have you been pastoring? Five years. Wow. Would say, yeah, five years. That's awesome. So, tell me about your church. Oh man, it started off with a couple of craftsmen that were coming to our. We bought a hotel, mm-hmm. and for the ministry, and uh, it's a like not a hotel like you would think, like the Sheraton Inn or something like that. But right, um, it was made in eight eighteen ninety three. Oh wow, it's when it was built to like 1911 I think something like that I might so have that wrong, but uh, it's got a historical marker on it and the, the windows were old they're 120 years old so hmm. we had a foundation come in and uh, want to buy us new windows because man we were living kind of in the elements it was it was as hot outside as it was inside cold outside as it was cold inside hmm. and um, so there were these guys that were part of the that, that worked at this company and they happened to be Mennonites oh wow and this Mennonite community was something I hadn't studied in Christian apologetics. So I was doing some quick reads on it, but their faith is by works. Right. It's not by grace. Yeah. Now they would, they use the language grace. Sure. (laughs) But how it's laid out when you're in it, according to them, Mm -hmm. uh, it's works. And so I was talking with the guys and, and just sharing with the Lord and sharing scripture and things like this. And, And uh, one of the brothers, there were a couple of brothers, one of them was coming out of the Mennonite community, which is very difficult to do if you know anything about that. It's it's your family and friends. It's a very tight-knit community. And his brother um, asked me a question. He was like, man, I have a hard time reading the Bible. Hmm. And what do you suggest? And I said, well, it's pretty normal. I said, it's, it's maybe, you know, you have, just haven't seen the angle of maybe how to study it or whatever. And I said, have you ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Right. He's like, yeah, I think through my brother. <laughs> my brother. So that was my cue. So I went downstairs to my library and I picked up a morning and evening 
by the way, if anybody wants to pick that up, they have it in the ESV. It's a great little devotional. And I said, why don't you just start with a devotional? I mean, you don't have to like read pages and pages every day. Right. And being sock cloth, you know, cloths and uh, ashes and things like that. I said, just read a little bit. Just start there. Right. And man, I, as they were working on our windows, we've got 60 of them. Huge, big, historic windows. Oh, it took them quite some time. So I got to spend a lot of time with them. We became pretty good friends. Cool. By the way, you know, before you know it, that little study formed into a little small Bible study that formed into a church. And oh, that's awesome. we've bounced around from room to room to building to building. And, uh, you know, and right now we're at the, uh, we're at our ministry right now having service huh. and man, they're just, uh, you know, we've had our church is, is unique. You know, um, I don't pull any punches, right? I don't sugarcoat anything. <laughs> uh, I'm still a barbarian and you know, you've got to be a certain type of personality to even enjoy what I have to offer. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a small group, um, you know, compared to like, you know, huge, big, big, huge churches, but man, it's a, it's a good group. It's a tight group. And they're all there to feed on Christ, to learn the Bible, to become stewards, good stewards of his word as well. That's awesome. Uh, you know, and to make it applicable in their lives. And, um, that guy right now is an elder in our church. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Five years later, just awesome people. And so we've just seen some really good things happen there. And, uh, but we've had some people walk out too, man. I mean, people are looking uh, for to have their ears tickled, and I just I can't. You know, I've got to, I'm going to answer for everything I do and don't do behind that pulpit and uh, and outside of the pulpit. And so uh, I'm very dedicated to His Word. I preach in an expository manner, so I don't bounce around. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we went through we went through the ha- a ha- the half of Romans. For an entire year. That's great. Just line by line, word by word. Right. And that way I'm not giving my opinion. You know, scripture interprets right. itself. We'll segue out of that. I want to get to a, a couple of things. Now, this speaks to the barbarian that you refer to, that you've referred to often. <laughs> I can tell you came from jujitsu class tonight. <clears throat> All right. So do you remember? Do you, do you remember the night? That we drove two hours out of the way (laughs) to find a movie theater that was showing the Holyfield Tyson fight. (laughs) And we all spent like 25 to 30 bucks a piece (laughs) to go watch a fight we were hoping lasted 15 rounds or 12 rounds. We all ordered like $30 worth of food. We all got nachos and (laughs) we got tons of food. And we're, we just totally like have this whole section of the movie theater where they had tables set up (laughs) and it was the night. (laughs) Tell everybody what happened during that fight. (laughs) It was, it was, it was the night that Mike Tyson bit Holyfield's ear. (laughs) It was the night Mike Tyson bit Holyfield's ear. So the fight lasted what? It was in the second round, wasn't it? I don't, I don't don't remember. But the play started getting oh, aggressive, and we had to leave. Everybody was so mad because, well, I mean, the place was packed, and it was the only place we could find where we were. We were somewhere out in the Midwest. I just remember 
we're all amped up for like a, a, a one hour fight. We're going to sit here and enjoy this whole fight. We drove two mm-hmm. hours and we spent all this money and we're going to. Because the first fight was, dude, it was a knockout right. war. And so we're all expecting the rematch to be the same. And literally it lasted like four and a half minutes. <laughs> we spent all that money and all that time to get there. And this was pre-internet. So it took a lot of work to find a movie theater that that was showing that fight, that pay-per-view. Heck yeah, it did. Yeah, we didn't have a we didn't have smartphones no. to figure this no, stuff out. It was just hilarious though. And we get and then of course so every night, every time I see Holyfield or I see Tyson, I always think of that night we went to see that fight. Hey, one other question real quick before I move on. Do you remember how good my tacos are? <laughs> <laughs> I did I not. I, I did do. not make tacos for everybody. <laughs> no, you didn't, man. You've had my tacos a few times. You had your your special sauce. Loved it. Loved it. All right. So tell everybody. Tell everybody that's listening how you got into the jujitsu thing. Because you're serious about it. I'm dead serious about it. I was supposed to compete. I was supposed to have like signed up for like eight fights eight matches in a day it was like this, this world's competition and then COVID hit but um man I got into it number one I'm the type of guy uh, I, I was cycling a whole lot and then I kind of I hurt my adrenal glands being out in the sun because I take things too far man I was out I was out doing 30 50 <laughs> 80 100 miles out on a bike 115 in Texas weather out there and I just shot my adrenal glands yeah in Texas so anyway I ruined myself there man I, I've, I've taken a couple of years to try to wow. rebuild that with adrenal cocktails and stuff like that but sure. um so I, I've been searching for a, something to do indoors I came down with this adhesive capsulitis which is frozen shoulder street name oh, man. you lose mobility of your arm it really hurts blah 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 and I thought man I need to start stretching start looking up that as I'm getting older, it's really important to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought yoga and I thought, ah, <laughs> I know yoga's tough. And I, you know, there's a lot of great value in it, so I'm not knocking it. But I, I like stuff that's kind of a Swiss army knife. That's what mm-hmm. I like. But multiple things. And I thought, man, what about jujitsu? Because I remember we were on the bus watching Hoist Gracie for the oh, first yeah. time UFC. Right. On those tapes when they came out in the 90s. And I thought, yeah, man, that would be kind of fun. And it is stretching, kind of contorting your body. You're staying active. But I'm learning a self-defense if I ever had to use that. Sure. And uh, and I like that the journey seems like it doesn't end. I like things that you can't get to an end to. Right. I enjoy. I If somebody can reach the same goal as me or buy it, I don't want it. Exactly. Uh, if they can reach it easily. So. I start. I I, I started uh, taking some private classes at first. I got really familiar with it. It was just self defense. Then I started understanding the art. Cool. Then I went to the local gym here, and uh, with my coach JJ Thompson at, at Grip Game in Denison, Texas. Right. And man, I just started there, and I I'm I'm telling you, I have gone through a lot, man. I've hmm. I've uh, and and it's a gentle art, but you get out of it what you put into it so me i went extreme and i put a lot into it right. you put a lot into it you get a lot out of it and when you fight hard people fight you back hard and right and uh started off a white belt you know getting smashed and <laughs> and uh man i've had i've i've torn let's see i've i've probably hyper extended everything what? from toes to knees to ankles to elbows oh my gosh to necks to I think I've, I've, yeah, I've cracked a rib and I have torn the cartilage off a couple of the tips of the ribs oh and goodness. black eyes, bruises everywhere. So just, just an average weekend I mean, out with, you know, Petra. 
<laughs> that used to happen to you on stage. Some people don't go through that, but I, 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 I went hard, so I got it back. You just go all in. Yeah, I'm all in. I like I play guitar, just all in, and so um, I like it. Number one, because being in ministry, and I'm always I'm in a rough part of ministry, a dirty part of ministry, and to me, I just think that too many people have softened mm-hmm. the gospel. They've softened the culture. They've 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 emasculated uh, what Christianity is compared to what I read, what real men were like. I don't think that I, I was listening to a Tim Keller thing on on anger. Uh, by the way, Tim Keller is such a surgeon of the gospel, um, and you need to catch him bef- you know while he's still here with right. us for sure. But he was talking about, you know, anger and the culture today of Christianity has gotten so soft that we feel like, oh, well, I'm not angry. I'm just upset, but I forgive them and I'm not angry. And and he's saying that this is kind of just weakening Christianity, that we it's OK to be angry. The Lord calls us to be slow to anger. It's actually a sin to not feel anger because then we're not really right. committed. And and he gives backs it up with a ton of scripture and course teaches how to be gentle but controlled and just how to be a man and how to control all these things and I just I use jujitsu as a physical outlet man to kind of beat my body almost like Paul to kind of take see I like I like to do things where my to see if my body my mind can continue past my body and to see what will break first. I forgot to mention before we got into this that you're a huge f- boxing fan. So the fight game is something you've always loved, the competition, the yes. the intensity, the physicality of it all. Yeah. Yeah, the upbringing and just the type of personality that I am, which does not fit in church. It really doesn't. If you're an aggressive guy and you're, you know, you you find guys like Joe Rogan and Jocko and you know a lot of these other guys that are Jordan Peterson and just right. a man's right. man. You know, the, the world is absorbing those type of men right now. Yeah. I mean, the world is the young men are there's he's got the hottest podcast out there. Most of them are male. I mean, that guy is all man. And, and there's several people, you know, people like that. And you go to the church and you just get little wimpy type of Gandhi people talking about Jesus that don't want to show any type of aggression because it's not godly, not fruits of the spirit. It's the, that's not Christianity. No. So I like an outlet like that, man, that challenges you. And it, and here it's not the toughest guy wins. It's the smartest guy that wins. It's the strategist that wins. And so, man, my coach is really during ministry time, man, I have fought and getting softer. I have fought that urge of like, that's a little bit too strong or that's a little bit too... And, and it kind of started taking the fight out of me and I started getting anxiety attacks. I started, you know, kind of going through a bunch of stuff like that. And my coach has really helped me gain that fire back uh, that I think we need as believers. And it's been a great thing for me mentally and physically, but also spiritually to put that edge back and to keep the edge of my Christianity there. Yes, I'm patient. Yes, I'm slow to anger. Yes, you know, and and I make mistakes like everybody else, but I'm an aggressive, violent man under the control of God's word and his spirit. And that's what makes a man. Right. And we have, we've just become such a soft culture these days, you know, and I'm not talking that, you know, there's, and, and all of it is just under the grace of God. And it's a, beautiful thing there's uh there's just 
It's just the way God created us. Well, do you see many 14-year-olds that could go out and kill a bear and a lion right now, like David did when he was a teenager? <laughs> no. I don't see no. many I don't see many 14-year-olds out slaying wild animals. So I believe that we should really be stewards of our body and, and our mind and our spirit in all different types of ways. So for me, it's not for everybody, but for me, I love challenging my character with the word. Right. I love challenging my character with a, and you know, and I love the culture. I, I told my wife, I would love to be pastoring a church that was set up like a, a, a fighting gym because, you know, there is a, 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 a wolf pack mentality. When you get out of line at a, at a jujitsu gym, there are mat enforcers that will hurt you and put you back in to line and you have to submit to the culture or you can leave. It's a beautiful thing, and it's it's counterculture of today. Right. But you could you should see how men become men when that happens. Now the wusses go, the puss cakes go. <laughs> they can't handle it. They do. Right. They they go. But I'm talking about the men. Even even if it bothers their ego, it smashes your ego. They show up. You got put into place. You got rebuked. You you got put into your place. And then once you start making changes, right. The wolf pack embraces you. And there's no, there's regardless of our differences, regardless of, of what our beliefs are, regardless of what our race is, regardless of anything, if you're single, if you're married, if you're black, if you're white, anything like that. I mean, you're, we are all brothers because we have the same goal in mind. And, no, and, and I have not met a stronger culture than a jujitsu culture. The church doesn't even compare. Right. Is that sad? It's sad. We got a council. We got the, the cancel culture is in our church, not the fighting culture, the cancel culture. I don't like what you just yep. said. You didn't return my call. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going somewhere else. I wanted a different color carpet. <laughs> Bunch of cupcakes in church right now. I've just got to say it. Get into a gym. Yep. It would be the best thing for you. Toughen up. <laughs> Toughen up, cupcake. <laughs> for real, man. How are you going to work the Great Commission? Right. <laughs> With an attitude like that. I mean, I'm really, I am really in the street. So tell everybody the story about the coffee shop a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. A, lo a local coffee shop. And there was this six foot three, 210, 20 pound guy. It's about 25 years old. He stole a TV from that shop and he came back to get the video camera footage because he found out they were taping and it was going to convict him. And so I happened to walk in that coffee shop as he was tearing the place apart and making threats. And those two, there was only two women there working. And there were other people in there. They didn't know what to do. But because of my experience on the street before I was a believer, my experience as a missionary in a rough situation in my own home where we lived and taking jujitsu as well, I went in there and got in his face in a gentle, strong way and talked that guy down, and I was ready to put him to sleep if possible without even leaving a mark on him. But I was sitting there, and I was really investing in him. And so, I mean, it's like that's what ministers and believers should be prepared for instead of getting online and debating about stupid stuff. Tell everybody some of the things you were saying to the guy, because you told me a few weeks ago the story, and it was remarkable what you were saying to him and how you got him talked down. Well, first of all, the jujitsu gave me an opportunity to get up close to him where it felt intimate, like we were in a bubble. Right. Now, if I wouldn't have been trained, I would have been very scared like everybody else. Everybody was nervous <laughs> on what to do. I'm sure. 
but in the clinch, I want to I, I want to be close up to be able to clinch the guy to take him down. But it also made me very soft in front of him. My hands were open. Interesting. And I, I put him in this situation where it just felt like him and I was talking low enough where only he could hear me. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, hey, man, what can I help you with? Hmm. I see that you're angry. I've been this angry before. It, you've got to have a reason. If you can get somebody thinking, hmm. and you can get and you can get a person like this mm-hmm. to go, "Wow, I'm being listened to." He started calming down, and I started hmm. getting him to reason. And man, as I'm talking to this young man, you know, I got him to even sit down. He sat down at one of the tables, and he's calm. Well, the cops came in, and they were two meatheads that came, got him riled up again. He started taking off. They squashed him, put him in the cop car. He busted, tried to bust the window out, and they just ruined everything. But man, I had him in a, in a situation that, that we were getting somewhere. And, and, you know, I understand that not everybody's trained in it, but I just think that believers, especially men should be equipped for more than just memorizing Bible verses or giving some, you know, discipleship class, like in a room is almost an oxymoron, <laughs> right? You know, I, I would take, I would take the in triumph guys and guys in ministry and take them out on the street and not just to street people, but to anybody to minister the gospel and evangelize to them and be ready for any situation. Dude, I've been out on the street with, with guys and I've had a bulletproof vest on at midnight in, in Austin, Texas in dangerous areas with dangerous people. And I'm not saying that that's for everybody, but it's like, man, where is the edge of the church that you read about in Acts? Right. Where is it? Where are the Davids? Where are, where, what has happened to Christianity? We've just become Buddhism. I know. It's like the, the, just close your eyes and hum for a minute and it'll all be better. Mm -mm. The Lord needs aggressive men that are under control, under conviction with the word and the spirit. Well, look at, look at how the world is melting down right now. You don't confront, it's it's like you were saying with this guy, you weren't confronting him with anger, but you were confronting him uh-uh. with boldness. The bold, And it was boldness, yes. If we can't stand up in boldness for the truth of the gospel, then what power does the gospel have at all? I'm always out there looking for my tribe. Right. I'm always out there looking for, for men and women that... Uh, you know, just that old, that, that, that same type of thread. The funny thing, Pete, is my wife always says that. We have a tribe. We just have to find them. The reason I think the church is so soft is because they've convinced themselves that the whole tribe <laughs> has to be the same. Yeah. What kind of a man would it take? How big of a man would you have to be? How strong would you have to be to go to the cross oh, man. and die for somebody else? I have no idea. I mean, is that not just the craziest? You couldn't make that up. That story couldn't be made up because nobody would imagine that someone would volunteer to do that. I know. And and some bonehead could be out there going, man, there was other people that got crucified. I mean, the crucifixion was big time in the Roman. I'm like, no, you, you don't understand. Who He took the Father's yep. wrath. Yep. <laughs> That's what we're talking about, the cross, right. not the actual nails, the Father's wrath. He didn't do anything to deserve it, <laughs> and he took it. <laughs> Lord have mercy on us. I know, right? Dude, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. Thanks for taking the time to be on my podcast today. Dude, this thrills me, man, and it's an honor. It's an honor because I just think about where we started and how you invested in me, (laughs) and uh, it wasn't in vain. The fact that you feel that way is very humbling, dude, very humbling. Heck yeah, man.
You're a special guy to me, man. Right on. Back at you, buddy. So you have a fantastic day. I will talk to you soon. All right, brother. Take care. Hey, Rockstar provides digital marketing software and services for your church to generate more interest, create more exposure, and reach more people. Let Hey Rockstar amplify the awesomeness of your ministry. And, as always, Hey Rockstar is a proud sponsor of the Stage Right with John Thorne podcast. Join us next Thursday for Scott Allen from Mylon Lefevre and Broken Heart. My thanks to Pete Orta, Hey Rockstar, and to you for listening. Have a fantastic week, and don't forget to share us with your friends.